dear loving Father in heaven, glory be unto your name for your mercy, your love, your goodness, which you have displayed upon us in giving us the temporal and spiritual blessings which we enjoy. Dear Father, our earnest desire is to bring glory to your name and to prepare for the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As we fellowship with you now, we ask that these moments shall be a means for us to be empowered and for us to receive the necessary preparation for the coming of our Lord. Dear Father, on that note I pray for the gift of your Holy Spirit upon every one of us as it is that spiritual things are spiritually discerned. I pray for myself, Lord, for the sake of your love for us, I, cons- I, I bring myself to you and I ask, Lord, please consecrate me to your service. Put your words in my mouth that the words that will flow forth from it will be blessings to all your children, helping us, edifying us, strengthening us to be prepared for your coming. Thank you for answering our prayers. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, August 9 Even a child And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. 2 Kings chapter 5 verse 2 A slave far from her home this little maid was nevertheless one of God's witnesses, unconsciously fulfilling the purpose for which God had chosen Israel as his people. As she ministered in that hidden home, her sympathies were aroused in behalf of her master, and remembering the wonderful miracles of healing wrought through Elisha, she said to her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. She knew that the power of heaven was with Elisha, and she believed that by this power Naaman could be healed. The conduct of the captive maid, the way she bore herself in that hidden home, is a strong witness to the power of early home training. This is no higher trust than that committed to fathers and mothers in the care and training of their children. There is no higher trust than that committed to fathers and mothers in the care and training of their children. Parents have to do with the very foundations of habit and character. By their example and teaching, the future of their children is largely decided. Happy are the parents whose lives are a true reflection of the divine, so that the promises and commands of God awaken in the child gratitude and reverence. The parents who by teaching the child to love and trust and obey them are teaching him to love and trust and obey his father in heaven. Parents who impart to the child such a gift have endowed him with a treasure more precious than the wealth of all the ages, a treasure as enduring as eternity. We know not in what line our children may be called to serve, 
They may spend their lives within the circle of the home. They may engage in life's common vocations or go as teachers of the gospel to hidden lands. But all are alike called to be missionaries for God, ministers of mercy to the world. He who sent the little Israelitish maiden to the help of Naaman the Syrian captain sends men and women and youth today as his representatives to those in need of divine help and guidance. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Even a Child. During the days of Israel, as we have already seen, they had that thing that was a sin in the eyes of the Lord. The golden calf which was built by Jeroboam, the first king of the northern kingdom in Bethel and in Dan. This thing was a cause of continual sorrow to the Lord and continual departure, backsliding from God in Israel. Because of this, the Lord usually permitted this country called Syria to oppress the Israelites. And at a time, this would happen and that will bring about a situation which the Lord wanted. You know, God put Israel in a very strategic location so that they can do what Jehoshaphat was doing, so that they can be an influence to all the surrounding nations. Remember how it was that because of Jehoshaphat's wisdom in teaching the people the way of the Lord, the fear of the Lord fell upon all the nations round about Judah. This is the purpose for which the Lord raised Israel. It's the purpose for which he raised us up. That we, in our strategic locations, will be a blessing to the rest of the world. Not so that they can be fighting wars upon wars, but it was so that through their way of living, they could teach the rest of the world the way of the Lord. The Lord loves the whole world. He made them. They are his children. But because of the great controversy, because of Satan and his continual warfare, Many depart from the Lord. The Lord selected the children of Abraham for a purpose. I would say specifically the children of Jacob for a purpose so that they can be an instrument in his hands by which he will educate the rest of the world to know his ways had they submitted to him. Just as we saw in the life of King Jehoshaphat, Solomon, Asher, there would have been a great result in evangelizing the world and transforming them for the sake of God. And those who were not, uh, who were evil, those who would not listen like the Amalekites and also those who would be stubborn to come and fight God's people, God would then destroy them. Now, because Israel departed from the Lord, the Lord couldn't do this with them and he permitted the Syrians to constantly be a thorn in their flesh. Reading from 2 Kings chapter 5, we'll see how the Lord used this experience to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish for the Syrians. Reading verse 1, it says, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. Now, just think about that. It wasn't any enemy that gave that is satan now that gave syria the ability to conquer israel it was god let that be a lesson to all of us 
when we see the world in warfare do not interpret things the way you want to interpret it with your own mind the lord is involved in many of the wars that are going on he set it up kings and he removed them nothing that happens in this world that the lord does not oversee so the lord permitted syria to conquer israel at this particular war and it says and the syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of israel a little maid and she waited on naaman's wife and she said unto her mistress would god my lord be with the prophet that is in samaria for he would recover him of his leprosy and one went in and told his lord saying thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of israel and the king of syria said go to Go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, and six thousand pieces of gold, and ten changes of raiment. Amen. You see, we will later find that it was through the instrumentality of this young maiden that Naaman received his healing. And not just that he received his healing, the name of the Lord was glorified in that Naaman became converted to the Lord. There are two lessons that we'll learn from this short story. This maid is mentioned in just two verses of this passage, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 2 and verse 3. That's all. We don't hear of her again in the rest of the Bible, but she was instrumental to do a great work. We would see what these lessons, what lessons we can learn from this lady. Two lessons now. We will learn from her how to serve God while doing commonplace duties as we have been seen in previous devotions, especially in the life of Elisha, and we will also learn the role of the youth in doing the work of God. These two lessons are what we will look at. You see, this maiden was able to witness for God while engaged in commonplace duties, just as every youth can do. It's an example for us of how we, whether as youths or adults, in our various stations and locations under the sun, can help to bring glory to God, even though we are not directly involved in the ministerial labor. She could not heal Naaman, just as we too may not have those abilities, but one thing that this lady could do was to speak of a man who could do the work. We know a man today called Jesus who can do the work and we can just lead people to him. You see, this lady could not talk to Naaman himself, but she could talk to Naaman's mistress and through her reach Naaman. This teaches us the lesson of sharing. There are many today who, like this maiden, are involved in commonplace duties of life. While stationed in our workplaces, we can seek out opportunities by which we may be blessings to others. You see, she did not know or have the skill to be of help to Naaman in help in curing his leprosy. But there was something she had. She had kindness, helpfulness, compassion, and she also had thoughtfulness. And it was through these characters that she could refer Naaman to someone who could help him. Remember what we read in Conflict and Courage, page 222, paragraph 2, it says, we are not all asked to serve as Elisha served, nor are we all bidden to sell everything we have. But God asks us to give his service the first place in our lives. To allow no day to pass without doing something to advance his work in the earth. 
he does not expect from all the same kind of service. One may be called to ministry in a foreign land, another may be asked to give of his means for the support of gospel work. God accepts the offering of each. It is the consecration of the life and all its interests that is necessary. Those who make this consecration will hear and obey the call of heaven." End of quote. This lady was not called to serve as Elisha served in full-time ministry as a teacher in the schools of the prophets. She was nevertheless serving God even if she was not working as a prophet. There are many who read in the scriptures where we are told to begin schools, do medical missionary work, etc. Or, and they feel like they are not serving God aright unless they are medical missionaries, corporatures, evangelists, teachers, etc. You see, now this is far from the truth. God has called us to different works of life and we each may serve God wherever we are stationed. This lady served God as a simple maid, maid in a house. If the Lord will want you to do a special work for him in any of these direct ministerial labors like educational ministry, culture, medical missionary or as a minister of the Lord, he will make it known to you and will give such people the qualities needed for such a work because you need special characteristics for those works. It's not just anybody that can pick up those labels and do them. The occupation God has called each to do needs varied skills and characteristics and God has given various skills and characters to people to fit them for their work. We are to improve ourselves nevertheless and add to that which we have. For the work of a minister, the Bible makes clear what characters are needed. When you read what uh, Paul said about bishops and deacons, you see that there are characteristics needed for these things. If God has raised a holier than Bezalel for the work of craftsmanship, it will not be pleasing for them to do the work of leading Israel to Canaan. It was God who put in those men the skill for craftsmanship. And it is not for them to say, I want to go and be a medical missionary or I want to go and be a pastor. That is not what God called them to do. And we each should understand our occupation. Everyone is called to be a missionary. But just because we are all called to be a missionary doesn't mean you should pick up those direct um, ministerial labors. We can be missionaries for the Lord wherever we are, just as this maiden was. This Day with God, page 166. Paragraph 4 says, There is to every man assigned, listen now, assigned his particular sphere, place, and work. And God asks no more and no less from the lowliest as well as the greatest than that they fulfill their calling. We are not our own property. We have become servants of Christ by grace. We are the purchase of the blood of the Son of God. End of quote. Hear those words directly telling us that there is to every one of us, you who are listening to me and I who am speaking, God has assigned to us, it says here, a particular, not varied, but particular sphere, place and work. It's not just a work that God has given to you. But he has also given you the place where you should be and the sphere. So, we need to be careful not to be an Aholiab 
that is wanting to be a Moses or to be a Moses who loves craftsmanship and you say, oh, I wish I could be a craftsman. Look at how nice Aholiab is just working this ark of the Lord. And then you leave leading Israel to go and be a designer. Or you leave being a designer to go and be a minister leading Israel. You will fail at that work. God has given to everyone his particular sphere, place and work. Many times there are people who go around telling everyone the Lord has told us to be ministers and you want everybody to leave their work just to go and be a minister. How realistic does that sound to you? Or you say, oh, God said everybody should be a medical missionary. And then you say everybody should leave what they are doing to become a medical missionary. How realistic does that sound? Is that true? No, it is not true. God has given and assigned, that's the word there, assignment given to everybody. For some, they are farmers and they will remain so if they will answer their calling. It's not for the farmer to start feeling that he wants to be a craftsman or he wants to be that tech guru. Or the tech guru feeling bad and saying, oh, I wish I could minister like pastor this or pastor that. Or the pastor feeling, oh, I wish I could be this tech guru. Look at how good they are in using the computers. God has assigned his particular sphere, place and work to everyone. And the particular sphere, place and work for this lady at her particular time was to be a maid in the house of Naaman. And she did her work there faithfully. Now, this does not mean that we remain in one particular position forever remember that Elisha's work assigned to him at first was for him to be taking care of oxen but the Lord changed it for him and gave him another work now we have already learned before that when the Lord wants us to do another thing he will let us know and he will put it in the minds of others especially when it is a ministerial labor we need to check our motives it's that motive that we need to check if our motives are not pure if they are not good we will make shipwreck of our plans and it will fail the kind of service required by the maiden was a commonplace duty and all god required of her was to refer Naaman to elisha and to also do her duty faithfully in the home while involved in her work of being a maid for her mistress she was still able to minister in her sphere and in that particular place doing that work she ministered by sharing information of someone she knew that could do the work of healing Naaman. There are many youths today who can reach places that the minister cannot reach, that the medical missionary cannot reach, that the corporate evangelist and the teacher in the school and the health food person cannot reach. They may not be able to preach just like this maid was not able to preach, but the youth can do something for the Lord. And what can they do? They can share tracts books or even invite others to see and to meet Elisha even though they cannot preach themselves. Reading from Ministry of Healing page 473 paragraph 1, we are told, If the Lord desires us to bear a message to Nineveh, it will not be as pleasing to him for us to go to Joppa or to Capernaum. He has reasons for sending us to the place toward which our feet have been directed. Do you see that about this maid? God had reasons. At that very place, there may be someone in need of the help we can give. He who sent Philip to the Ethiopian counselor, Peter to the Roman centurion, and the Israelitish maiden to the help of Naaman, the Syrian captain, sends men and women and youth today as his representatives to those in need of divine help and guidance. End of quote. Amen. Now, I want us to think of something. How was it that this lady was sent? It was, we're reading here that it was God who sent this maid to Naaman's house. But how did it come about? 
it did not come through a very pleasant means. It came through war and from that war she was taken as a slave. But in all this, the Lord's purpose was being fulfilled. So that may be happening to you right now. You may be wondering some terrible experiences are going to are happening to you. Remember Joseph. Before Joseph could get to where God really wanted him to go to, it was not a, it was not a um, pleasant experience. Dothan, that place. Oh, Joseph, I wonder if he will ever forget what happened to him in Dothan, where his brothers almost killed him, threw him into a pit and then sold him as a slave to the Ishmaelites who took him to the house of Potiphar. You may have such an experience just like this Syrian, this Israelite maid. Something may not be going well for us. There may be famine in the land and it's leading you to a different location from where you want to be. Don't worry. Let the story of Joseph and this this um, Israelite maid remind you that the Lord may be working out something in his plan for you. And when the word Lord wants to work out things for us, it doesn't always have to be pleasant. But since we can look in hindsight at the story of Joseph, at the story of this Israelitish maid, we can understand that in our own lives, the Lord may permit certain events to happen. And these events may be means by which he will take us to the place he wants us to be. So while you are going through that unpleasant experience, trust in the Lord. Calm down. The Lord has a plan. So now let's continue in other things we are learning from this Israelitish maid. You see, in every occupation, opportunities are there to be taken advantage of. You see, times of bereavement are times when we can show genuine kindness and love to others. You see, not a deceptive and pretentious one that is doing that uh, kindness just because you want to win people over to your faith or to your church. We are talking about a disinterested love that doesn't have ulterior motives here. If you show kindness to people simply because you want them to have a good impression of your church, that is artificial, it's fake, it's forced, it's unreal. If this is not the way we treat those who are close to us in our homes, it will soon be revealed that we are not as loving as we pretended to be. Let love be without dissimulation. That is what we are counseled in the book of Romans chapter 12 verse 9. See, is that our love should be without dissimulation. What does that mean? It should be disinterested. I'm not showing you love because I want you to come to my church and increase my church numbers. Then as soon as you come into my church, I forget you. No, it is coming from my heart. It is real. And that's how this maiden behaved. This was not just because I want Naaman to convert to be an Israelite. No, she genuinely wanted to help Naaman. She loved him and loved her mistress and was kind towards them. She wanted to be helpful. She was thoughtful towards them. And we'll talk about those things now later on. Uh, thoughtfulness, usefulness, and helpfulness. So that's not the kind of love we're talking of. If we are not loving in our homes, then... That love you are showing out there is fake. Let love be without dissimulation. Let us show kindness and care to those with whom we come in contact. Also, the youth and adults alike will have times where in your various locations, discussions on the Bible and of nature are held. These are opportunities for the youth to share their faith or refer those whom they come in contact with to others of greater knowledge than themselves. You see, God does not call those who are inexperienced, whether youth or adults, to give what they do not have. This maid was not called to give what she didn't have. Remember that we have read in This Day with God, page 166, paragraph 4, there is to every man assigned his particular fair place and work. And now the other part of it says, and God asks 
no more and no less from the lowliest as well as the greatest than that they fulfill their calling end of quote now this is not saying that you shouldn't improve yourself to the point where you can actually give bible studies to people but wherever you are at the particular time for example a youth who is inexperienced you don't know how to break down the word of god to people you've not learned it perhaps what you can do is to refer but that doesn't mean you don't study you keep studying and as you keep growing you'll be able to do some things you couldn't do before but depending on where you are god is not asking for more than what you can give but he's also asking that you improve yourself and while you're improving yourself he's not asking you for more than what you have at that particular time so a reference to people who know better is what the lord may be asking for you at this time don't give what you don't have so why do you keep studying to show yourself approved unto god when you have discussions having done all you can do it for people then you are to share materials from others who know better or refer them to more knowledgeable people there's a man called walter white popular famous for his breaking down of the word of god with respect to historical events and the book of revelation and daniel if you hear his testimony as to how he came to be what he is today you will wonder and marvel and say how did this happen it was true someone who was like this maid a man who was a carpenter came to his house one day and told Walter Vate, I walk with the Lord and the man was surprised what do you mean and the, the carpenter gave Walter Vate a tract and just by giving him that tract that was it one day this man Walter Vate, was checking over his the rubble in his house because God had aroused in his mind a need for study and he looked for that tract that the man gave to him and in reading that one tract that was the beginning of a change in his life today he has been instrumental in leading many thousands into the knowledge of the truth perhaps millions i don't know but i i can say he has blessed my own life but this blessing that the man Vate had came from just one carpenter he was not a pastor he was not any evangelist just a carpenter and what he did was to share a tract the youth can do that just share a tract the tract is called a silent witness it is always there you can share a book also you can share materials online that was how Walter Vade got converted talking about how other people get converted uh, through common people who are involved in commonplace duties I remember a man called I think Pastor Agbojo a friend of mine his father this man owned a church for himself and went to South Africa and also had uh, he had a situation his car got bad and he took it to a mechanic and this mechanic was repairing it for him and he told him oh I'll come tomorrow and that next day was supposed to be Saturday supposed to be a Sabbath and the mechanic said I cannot work on Saturday and the man who was a pastor wondered for what reason and then he told the pastor the mechanic told the pastor that he goes keeps it holy and the pastor was wondering I've never heard of that before tell me more and just by having this discussion with this mechanic today this pastor and his family are following after the truth hard they left all they had they left everything so that they can follow the Lord with the newfound faith that they had these are experiences that I can share and there's so much more of people involved in commonplace duties and how they have been instrumental in blessing many souls all that came through water weight today those who are learning the truth remember if not for that carpenter if not for that carpenter who shared that tract with water faith you will not be hearing what you're hearing 
God does not judge the way we judge things. And that's why we read in previous devotions that you may think that it's a missionary who is out there fighting hard battles that will receive a greater reward. God doesn't judge the way we judge. That's not so. God will give every man according to what his work has been. So let us be encouraged through this to understand that as young people and generally people who are involved in commonplace duties, we can be missionaries for the Lord. As we live out our faith in our respective stations, youth and adults will be called to give a reason for their faith and at such times, referring to more experienced people or sharing materials or through your personal contact, these materials can be digital materials like video, audio messages, books, e-tracts or normal tracts, hard copy, they will go a long way into making disciples for God. Reading from Prophets and Kings, page 245, paragraph 3, it says, We know not in what line our children may be called to serve. They may spend their lives with, within the circle of the home. They may engage in life's common vocations or go as teachers of the gospel to hidden lands. But all are alike called to be missionaries for God, ministers of mercy to the world. They are to obtain an education that will help them. So that's where I want to focus on now. The next part of our devotion is going to be talking about this education. It says, they, the children, the youth, are to obtain an education that will help them to stand by the side of Christ in unselfish service. The parents of that Hebrew maid, as they taught her of God, did not know that the destiny that would be hers. But they were faithful to their trust and in the home of the captain of the Syrian host, their child bore witness to the God whom she learned to honor." End of quote. So now, how can we have children and youth who are missionaries? They have to be educated and trained. Conflict and Courage, page 227, paragraph 3 says, The conduct of the captive maid, the way that she bore herself in that hidden home, is a strong witness to the power of early home training. There is no higher trust than that committed to fathers and mothers in the care and training of their children. Parents have to do with the very foundations of habit and character. By their example and teaching, the future of their children is largely decided. End of quote. So here, we are learning two things. So I'm going to be talking about what this training to be given to the children entails that will help them to be missionaries. But while I'm talking about it, remember that this is not something you teach by words. It is what you teach by example. So you are not learning what you should teach to your children alone, but you are learning what you should live out and practice in our own personal lives as adults, this is how we teach the children, by both precept and by example, by example and by teaching. So while I'm going through this, remember that it's not something you should just think of, I'm teaching my children, it's something you should practice yourself and while practicing it, then you can teach it to your children. So what are some of the things that are important to teach a child? I would say that the first, perhaps most important is this, kindness courtesy and etiquette. Why do I mention this first? It is because no matter how much truth we have and no matter how right we are about our faith, it means nothing without love. If we are in contact, if we in our contact with people and in our demeanor, we are rough, unlovable and harsh, we can never commend our faith to others. The youth above all must learn this lesson of love. 
love is kind. That's what we read in the book of First Corinthians 13. Love is the excellent way. That's what Paul was saying. After all the spiritual gifts, oh, prophesying, teaching, miracle working, speaking in tongues and uh, healing, administration, all of those things mean nothing without love. Love is the entering wedge to the hearts of people. If you do not have love like Paul says, prophesy all you want, you are just like a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. If we cannot teach our children the principle of behaving in a loving and lovable manner, then all the truth you teach to them is going to even make the truth to become obnoxious in the ears of those who are hearing it. They will even bring disrepute to the truth. Like Richard Baxter will say, that even though the food is good, if the hands that is presenting it is dirty and the person is looking all shabby and smelling, it will make the person who wants to receive the food to throw up. And that's how it is when the truth in all its correctness is presented by someone who is uncharming, unlovable and not being kind and courteous. Reading from Conflict and Courage, page 225, paragraph 5, we were told, Those who profess to be followers of Christ and are at the same time rough, unkind, and uncourteous have not learned of Jesus. Their sincerity may not be doubted. Their uprightness may not be questioned. But sincerity and uprightness will not atone for a lack of kindness and courtesy. End of quote. We have talked about kindness and courtesy in previous devotions and you can go and see how this can be done and there's so much more. You can study yourself. What does it mean to be kind to people? It means that you talk in a kind way, in a polite manner and courteously behave towards others. Then, another thing that should be taught to the children by example, not just by words, is the knowledge of God. Now, the faith can make some sense when it is brought, when it's brought by someone who is lovable who is kind, who is courteous. The principles of the law of God is to be taught to every child, for this will be their wisdom and understanding in the sight of the nations. That's what we are told in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 4. A child with a filthy mouth and uncouth habits can hardly be a missionary. A child who is stubborn, who steals, who is disrespectful, who is irreverent, cannot be like this maiden in the home of Naaman. In order to be a missionary, the precepts of God's law must be lived out. And remember that when we are saying knowledge of God, it's still the same thing as what I said earlier, love. You cannot say you love God without knowing Him. And you cannot say you know God and you don't love Him. And that love will be revealed in your character. So I'm not even saying anything different than that which I have said earlier because love is to know God. That's what we read in First John chapter 4, verse 7, that he that loveth knoweth God. So a knowledge of God is to teach them that kindness, that courtesy, that love. So in order to be a missionary, we must learn these precepts because it will be of great importance to the youth. Now, in teaching them this, you will find out that they need to learn these three things. Helpfulness, thoughtfulness, and usefulness. They are priceless gems. For us, first of all, we must practice it before you say you are teaching it to the child. These things, helpfulness thoughtfulness, usefulness, they act as keys to open the door to the heart of those with whom we come in contact. Helpfulness means that we are willing and ready with a cheerful heart, take note, cheerful heart, to do the things that we are told to do and to assist in accomplishing tasks at hand. This is a beautiful character and should be taught to the youth. It is a potent missionary tool. Helpfulness, like I said, is beautiful, but thoughtfulness is one of the most charming of characters. It is even more beautiful. Thoughtfulness means that we are thinking of another person's needs and satisfying it. 
even when they did not ask us. This is a true indication of love and care. It is one thing to be available to be helpful to others and help them cheerfully when we are told to. But it is even more beautiful to be of help to others and to have that forethought to anticipate the needs of those with whom we live and help them even when they have not asked. It just shows that you have been thinking of them and it's so beautiful. Now the other character, usefulness, very important. No matter how thoughtful you are and no matter how helpful you want to be, if you are not useful, you cannot be helpful and your thoughtfulness will amount to nothing. So usefulness means that we are relevant to the tasks that are to be accomplished. Having the useful skills needed on a daily basis will help the youth to open doors to the heart of those with whom they come in contact. In the home, one is hardly helped by the knowledge of calculus and playing a piano. But those who know how to do those handy things like repairing the plumbing, opening a door that is jammed when the key is lost, using the computer, cooking, cleaning the home, repairing gadgets and many other soft and hard skills, they are relevant. If you want to be helpful, then you need to help yourself to increase in the skills that you have. These are useful and make those who possess them, that's these skills, they are useful and they make those who possess them in demand. They make you relevant. They make you important to those who are around you. So, these are skills that we should learn if we want to be helpful. If you are thoughtful and you say, oh, my mother is coming back or the person I'm living with is coming back from work or he's busy doing something and he wants this other work to be done and you are thoughtful enough to remember it but you cannot do it then what does your thoughtfulness amount to the only thing you can just do is to be thinking oh this person wants this thing to be done but yet you cannot do it that's why we need to improve ourselves in our skills so that we can be of help to people in need i remember a time that a friend of mine was walking on the road and i was with the person and the person's um had a slipper damaged it got caught and I couldn't do anything to help, but I wanted to. But then there came another friend of mine. He picked up that slipper and just did something out of the blue. Just He just got creative and repaired that slipper. And my other friend started to walk and was so grateful. How helpful that person was. I was thoughtful, but I couldn't do anything because I didn't have the skills. That is why we should improve ourselves and our skills because these things make you relevant. They make the youth to be relevant and they, are, they act as an entering wedge to the minds of people. One very important lesson that the youth and everyone should learn is a knowledge of the human body, a knowledge of physiology and how to use natural things to cure diseases. This is what we call the medical missionary work. We are told, especially in this time in which we live, that the time has come when everyone should be a medical missionary. Now, like I was saying earlier, this does not mean that you do not stay in your particular position. They assigned particular work the Lord has given to you in a particular place and in that sphere. Being a medical missionary doesn't mean that you go not as in that you neglect every other occupation that is necessary and then all you say is I want to be looking for people who are sick and then I'll be trying to uh, cure them. No. It means that you get that skill, just like I can know how to repair things and I can know the plumbing work, but yet I'm not a full-time plumber. I may be 
whatever, maybe a minister or I can be someone who is a computer analyst, but I still have these other skills just so that whenever somebody has a need for it, I will use it. That's how the medical missionary work is. Some can be full-time, but everyone should know it nevertheless, even if you are not necessarily being so, uh, a doctor you, you should have the knowledge and it is not something so difficult it is just to know the human body how it works and then walk from cause to effect knowing what causes diseases and the natural ways to cure it in the days of this israelitish maid she did not know this but she could refer to someone we could do that today but it would be better if we're not just referring but we could actually have a knowledge of what to do to help people with the daily illnesses and diseases. That's a common one, the common illnesses and diseases that people have. Yeah, there are special cases that not everybody may be able to deal with, but I'm just saying that the common illnesses that people have around us, we should know natural ways to take care of these illnesses and to help them to be relieved of their diseases. The fevers, the cold, the flu, the malaria, the cough, the catar, injuries these are common things that happen around us even the lifestyle diseases are not difficult to take care of i mean they're not so difficult when you think of the fact that it is a diet related thing the knowledge of the kind of diet people should eat people should subsist on in order to have uh, a good health this is important for us to know so that you just simply educate people and tell them this is what you should do this is what you should not do i've done it before and i can say that someone whom i educated just simple education and telling them this is what you should eat and what you should not eat the man had stroke he had diabetes he had other complications in his body just by education that's what i'm saying change of diet and telling the wife this is what you should do to him that man is still going strong living today he would have died but because of that change this is going to how many years now five to six years now and his life has been prolonged just because of that knowledge and this is something that the youth can learn the natural ways to take care of people through using diet the hydrotherapy also the use of sunlight air and exercise how all these things can help to restore health to people these are the lessons that we have to learn from this israelitish maid in the house of Naaman, the captain of the Syrian army. In conclusion, I want to read for us what we have in Ministry of Healing, page 499 and down to 500. It says, Remember that in whatever position you may serve, you are revealing motive, developing character. Whatever your work, do it with exactness, with diligence. Overcome the inclination to seek an easy task. The same spirit and principles that one brings into the daily labor will be brought into the whole life. Let me just pause. I'm saying this because that Israelitish maid, if she didn't have the principle of usefulness, helpfulness, and thoughtfulness before coming to Naaman's house, she would have brought her former principles to that house. The same principles we put, she was putting in her mother's house is what she brought into Naaman's house. She was always kind, helpful, and loving, and she brought that into Naaman's house. Those who desire a fixed amount to do and a fixed salary, and who wish to prove an exact fit without the trouble of adaptation or training, are not the ones whom God calls to work in his cause. 
those who study how to give as little as possible of their physical, mental and moral power and not the workers upon whom he can pour out abundant blessings. Their example is contagious. Self-interest is the ruling motive. Remember that I've said earlier that we shouldn't have self-interest. It should be disinterested work, not self-interested one. Going on, it says, those who need to be watched and who work only as every duty is specified to them are not the ones who will be pronounced good and faithful. Workers are needed who manifest energy, integrity, diligence. Those who are willing to do anything that needs to be done. Many become inefficient by evading responsibilities for fear of failure. Does that describe you? Whenever responsibilities are given to you, you run away from it because you are afraid you're not going to get it right. You're so concerned about your self-reputation that you don't want to do anything that will fail. And then you will now be looked at as a failure. And then you want to appear as if you're not a failure by doing nothing. You know, I say, I heard someone say that before. It's not difficult to succeed or not to fail. Just do nothing and you won't fail. That's the mindset of somebody who doesn't grow. Just do nothing and you'll never be helpful to anyone. Many become inefficient. How helpful are you to people? Do you know why many people are not helpful? Because they don't attempt to do things because they're afraid that if I attempt it, I will fail. That you don't want to be looked at as someone who failed. You don't want to be corrected. You don't want to be laughed at. You don't want to be ridiculed or mocked. You don't want it to appear and show clearly that you know nothing. Why? So you don't attempt anything. You don't want to embarrass yourself. But it's in that embarrassing of yourself in some failures that you learn to grow. If you are afraid to embarrass yourself, then you may never grow. Concluding the reading, it says, Thus, they fail of gaining that education which results from experience and which reading and study and all the advantages otherwise gained cannot give them. End of quote. I pray that these words will be a blessing to every one of us to help us on our heavenward journey in preparation for our Lord's coming. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for these lessons that you've taught us. Please, Lord, live out thy life within us. Help us, Lord, to put these things in practice and not just to speak about it. Give us the grace to learn skills in our lives that we may be helpful and that our thoughtfulness may amount to something in the lives of those with whom we come in contact to the end that we may properly reveal you to all those who come in contact with us. Thank you for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Love through me, love through me.